Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church, where our goal is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. To learn more about Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Josh Murray. All right. Well, good morning again. It's so good to see you. So glad you're here. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad uh, that you're tuning in today. And man, what an exciting moment. I love baptism Sundays and, and watching people who have placed their faith in Jesus follow him in baptism. It's such an amazing thing and, and uh, such a great thing to be a part of. But what's even cooler, if you think about it, is the celebration uh, that all of heaven rejoices when someone makes a decision like that. And that's an amazing thing. And today we're wrapping up our, our long series over the story of David. Uh, For the last nine weeks, we've been talking about success and how we experience success in life by God's definition of success. And one last time, we've defined it as discovering and living out God's plan for your life. It's that simple. That's what it means to be successful. Nothing more, nothing less. And today we're gonna wrap this whole thing up and I want to take a look at the very end of a psalm that talks about the history of Israel. Uh, This is Psalm 78, and Psalm 78 at the very end, it holds just a few verses that really give us an overall picture of David's life. Uh, The whole Psalm is about Israel, it's about God's people, it has a lot to say about David, uh, but the end sort of summarizes his life. And the whole Psalm is 72 verses long, uh, so we're not gonna read the whole thing today, but I'd encourage you to read it. Uh, But I really want us to just pay attention to what it says about David at the end of his life. Uh, We're gonna start reading in verse 65. This is what it says. It says, the Lord awoke as if from sleep, like a warrior from the effects of wine. He beat back his foes. He gave them lasting disgrace. He rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. Instead, he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth that he established forever. And this is where David's story comes into play with this. It says, God chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens He brought him from tending ewes to be shepherd over his people, Jacob, over Israel, his inheritance. The Bible says he shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with his skillful hands. So this is a very short summary of David's life. It says that God chose David. He brought him up from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep to shepherding God's people. And it tells us that David shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with skillful hands. So at this point, we're at the end of David's life. What do we know about David? Some people immediately think of David and Goliath, right? Fantastic story. Other people immediately think of David and Bathsheba, which is not the greatest moment in his life, right? We might think of his victories over the Philistines. We might think about his desire to build the temple, which God didn't allow him to do, which we didn't talk about this time around in this series. But there are all different kinds of things that we could think about in connection to David's life. We think about big mistakes that he made. We think about how God's grace impacted his life, how it changed his life. But today, I really want us to treat these last three verses of Psalm 78 as a summary of David's life. If we could summarize what his life was about, if we could summarize what he spent his life doing for decades, this is what it was. Again, I want to read it, verse 70. It says, God chose David, his servant, took him from the sheep pens, brought him from tending the sheep 
to being the shepherd over God's people, over Israel, his inheritance. He shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with his skillful hands. So if we ask David directly at the end of his life, what was your life all about? He would probably summarize it in a very similar way. He might say, well, during my four decades of leadership over God's people, and even in the preparation time before that, that we spent a great deal talking about, he would say, I have sought to shepherd God's people. Now remember, David was a shepherd. Right? That's what he did growing up. That was his original training ground. He was shepherding the sheep. So he would say, I have shepherded and cared for these people with what the Bible says, a pure heart, and I've led them and guided them with skillful hands. That's what life was all about for David. So today, as we look back at David's life one last time, And as we look at this summary statement that we find in Psalm 78, I wanna give you one final key about living a successful life. We've talked about a lot of different things about success and significance. I wanna give you one final key today. Remembering our biblical godly definition of success, which is discovering and living out God's plan for your life. It's what it means to be successful. So with that in mind, and with this summary of David's life from Psalm 78, I wanna give you one final key to living a successful life. This is something we find to be true in the life of David. David, of course, something we find to be true in the life of Jesus, something we find to be true in the life of Paul, so many of the apostles and so many people in the Bible. And this is what it is. The final key to success is using your life to make life better for other people. All right. It's about giving the rest of your life to making life better for other people. It's about serving people. It's about caring about people. It's about loving people and elevating people and growing people and pouring into people. That, I believe, is the final key to success. And when I tried to think in these weeks leading up to this moment about the one thing that people in the Bible who were really successful in God's eyes did, this is what came to mind. They saw themselves not as people who alone needed to reach some kind of pinnacle over the rest of the people. Instead, they saw their role in the world to be serving others and giving to others and loving others and investing in people. That's what their lives were all about. And I think about Paul, right? Who spent all of his Christian life doing that. And one of my favorite passages that Paul wrote is found in 2 Corinthians chapter four. And in this chapter, Paul's talking about his life. He's talking about his calling. And this is what he says in verse five. He says, for we are not proclaiming ourselves, right? Who are we proclaiming? He says, we're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants. Everybody say servants. Servants for Jesus' sake. So Paul understood that serving people was the bridge to bringing people to Jesus. So why is this important? Why is it important that we spend our lives making other people's lives better? Why does that matter? I believe that this is the final key to success. And I believe it matters because most of us live our lives at one of three levels, especially in our modern American culture today, okay? The first level that we live life in is the level of survival. Uh, You may be able to identify with this. This is where we pay the bills, and we go to work, we do everything we can to keep our jobs, to keep the food on the table, and we go from one paycheck to the next. That's essentially our first level of living, right? And I would argue that most people probably live their lives at the survival level. 
They're doing everything they can to get by. They're just trying to survive. They're not really thinking very much about tomorrow. They're not really thinking very much about next year. They're probably not thinking very much about eternity, right? They're just thinking about today, right here, right now. How can I get through today? That's survival, okay? The next level that we live is the level of success. And this is success by the world's definition of success, okay? This is where we now have goals and ambitions and visions and dreams that we want to achieve in our lifetime. This level is all about building and collecting and achieving and retiring, okay? So we have survival, we have success by the world's definition of success, but there's a third level of living that we should strive to live for. And this third level is a level of significance, okay? So we have survival where I survive and then I die and it won't matter all that much. The second level is the level of success where I can experience success and then die. And all of the stuff that I've collected and achieved, it's not gonna matter in eternity, it's just dust, okay? But significance is the level at which my time, my energy, my life, and everything about me is invested in something that's going to last forever, okay? Significance is the level at which my time, my energy, my life, everything about me is invested in something that's going to last beyond the grave. Significance is the level at which I'm investing every part of my life into something that's gonna matter for all of eternity. That's what a life of significance is all about. And if you want to live a life of significance, here's the pathway to get there. It's about making life better for other people, okay? Now you might be thinking, well, wait a second. Shouldn't it be more about leading people to Jesus rather than simply making their lives better? And the answer is yes, that is the answer. But let me explain what I mean and you'll understand how it's all connected. First of all, in order to lead people to Jesus, you first have to have a relationship with God, right? Every human being on this planet needs to know God. Every human being on this planet needs a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know for a fact that that's the deepest need of every life on earth. So I need a relationship with God. You need a relationship with God. They need a relationship with God. And somehow my life and your life is supposed to influence other people to desire a relationship with God. Our lives are supposed to influence other people to want to know Jesus. But how does that happen? How does that start? How is that initiated? It usually doesn't happen when there's no relationship between us and them, right? It usually doesn't happen when I just show up and tell them. That's not typically how it works. Instead, friendship and relationship is most often the pathway that the gospel travels on. The saving message of Jesus, it travels on the pathway of relationships in our lives. In other words, living life at the level of significance is all about relationships, right? We need relationships with other people. So the claim that I wanna to make today at the end of this study over David, if you want the rest of your life to count, if you want the rest of your life to matter, if you want the rest of your life to be significant, if you wanna make a difference in eternity with your time here on earth, what do you need to do? You need to make other people's lives better. And we do this by connecting with people. We do this by serving people. We do this by loving people. We do this by leading them to Jesus and improving their lives. Because as you grow in relationships in your life, 
things are gonna begin to fall into place. God wired us that way. He created us for relationship. We were made to know him. We were made to do life with others. We need relationships. The Christian life was never meant to be lived alone, right? We need God and we need people. That's why God created the church. So most importantly, everyone on this planet needs to know God, but the pathway for them to get there often involves a relationship with someone who follows Jesus. So that's why this matters. That's why this is so important. It's really interesting. Something I've started to notice just in the last few years is this uh, crazy thing that's happening. If you go to the bookstore and look at the business section or the leadership section or the self-help section, or uh, you listen to podcasts about any one of those things, something that's really popular right now is this new idea of servant leadership, right? You can even read articles in the Harvard Business Review and so many other places about this amazing new revolutionary discovery, right? This great idea that we didn't even know about 25 years ago. Everyone's beginning to discover this concept. We see CEOs making these moves, vice presidents of companies making these moves. Instead of just going higher and growing bigger and getting richer, it seems that these leaders are figuring out how powerful it can be when they truly seek to serve the people that they work with, right? They're just figuring this out. They're just figuring out how powerful it can be when you seek to help people grow. Servant leadership. It's a revolutionary new concept in the world today. But look at the life of David, right? Think about the life of Paul. Think about the life of Jesus. Servant leadership has been around forever, right? It's an ancient concept. We're the ones who messed it up when we made it all about ourselves. But servant leadership was God's plan for leaders from the very beginning, If your life is gonna be successful, if you're gonna live a life of significance, it has to be about making other people's lives better. It has to be about serving people. It has to be about loving people. It has to be about leading people into a relationship with Jesus, helping them to discover the truth of his word, helping them to experience his grace. That's what it's all about. And if you spend the rest of your life serving and loving other people, I can promise you that you will find success. I can promise you that you'll leave a legacy. I can promise you that you'll live a life of significance. I don't know if you'll be rich or not, right? I don't know if you'll live in the biggest house or drive the fanciest car. I don't know if you'll die a billionaire, but that's not what it's about. But I know for a fact that the lives of the people around you will be affected and changed when you decide I'm no longer gonna live for myself. I'm no longer gonna make it all about me. I'm gonna live my life for God and I'm gonna serve other people. When the Bible summarizes David's life, it tells us how greatly he cared for God's people, right? It says he shepherded them with a pure heart. He led them with the skillfulness of his hands. So based on this summary of David's life that we find in Psalm 70, I'm gonna make this claim. Life, it's all about relationships, And if you're looking for one final key, one final step towards success, one final way to live a life of significance, it's this, spend the rest of your life making other people's lives better, okay? Serve people, love people. So how do we do that? What do we need to do? When I'm preparing a message, I always anticipate what are people gonna argue and what questions are they gonna ask? And I think that there are probably one thing that I think of with this topic, there are probably two categories of people in this room today who hear this message. 
that life is all about relationships and they instantly have questions, okay? The first group of people I wanna address today are the introverts. How many of you are introverts, right? You're afraid to raise your hand because you don't, you don't want people to look at you. That's okay, right? But a lot of you are lying because studies show that 60% of Americans would consider themselves to be introverts. So more than half of you in this room are probably introverts. And if that's you, you're hearing this message today and you're like, great. One of the hardest things for me, meeting people, making new friends, that's challenging for me. That's the way to success. That's a way to live a life of significance. Don't give up on me yet, okay? Before I give you a solution or an answer to that, let me address the other group of people. The other group of people are the extroverts, okay? How many of you are extroverts? That's me, right? I walk into a room full of people, I'm comfortable making new friends, that's easy, I love it. So the extroverts, we hear this message and we're thinking, awesome, right? That's easy for me, I can do this, no problem. But on the other hand, the introverts, they hear this message and they're like, that's not very good news for me, right? Here's the problem. Whether we're introverts or extroverts, we all struggle with relationships for the exact same reasons, okay? And we need to see how our personalities play into building relationships, absolutely. For example, introverts might not have quite as many friends. They might not have quite as many acquaintances as the extroverts do, or maybe they do. They're just exhausted being around them, right? That's a possibility. Introverts, they might not necessarily keep a long list of people that they just wanna randomly call and talk to. They may not have a long list of people that they wanna carve out time to hang out with. That's okay. But here's the interesting thing. Introverts tend to have much deeper relationships with people than extroverts do, right? Introverts tend to be much more receptive when it comes to how their friends are doing. Introverts tend to be much more sensitive, to the emotions and the feelings in their friends' lives. Introverts see those things. Extroverts, on the other hand, may have far more connections with people, but they struggle to see beneath the surface, right? We struggle to understand the depth of what someone's going through in their life. So all of that to say this, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, relationships are hard for all of us, right? And the reason why relationships are hard for all of us is because of sin. And we've spent a great deal of time talking about that here, that God made mankind, made us as humans to know him, to relate perfectly with him and to relate perfectly with each other. Then sin entered the equation and we immediately started killing each other, right? That's what happened. Sin entered the equation and now we're as divisive as we can possibly be. And because of that, relationships are incredibly difficult, right? Marriage is hard. Friendships are hard. Relationships between countries, impossible. And it's all because of sin. So the final key to success, the final key to living a life of significance, it's all about relationships. Darn. It's all about something that's incredibly difficult for all of us. It's all about something that's always broken because of sin. So what I wanna do today from these verses in Psalm 78 about David's life, I wanna give us a few choices that successful people need to make, okay? A few choices that we need to make if we wanna live a life of significance. And when we look in scripture at the life of Jesus, when we look at the life of Paul, when we look at the 
life of David, excuse me, or the life of the apostles or throughout history and all the people who have made a significant impact in the world, I believe that you'll find every single one of these choices being made in their lives over and over and over again. And we see them in the life of David as well, okay? The first choice is this, number one, we need to choose to care about others. Your ability to live a life of significance begins when you make the decision, I'm going to care about other people. And that's actually a lot harder than it sounds because we have gotten really good at caring about people from a distance, right? We've gotten really good at caring about people over a text message. We've gotten really good at caring about people for a moment, right? We've gotten really good at caring about people for a second when we see the commercial on the TV. We've gotten really good at caring about people for a second when someone tells us what's happening in their lives. But it's much, much harder to truly care for people on a deeper level. It's much, much harder to take someone else's pain and suffering and struggle and make it our own. I would describe this kind of caring for others with the word empathy, right? In order to live a life of significance, if you wanna make people's lives better, if you wanna lead people to Jesus, it starts with empathy. It starts with caring about people on a deeper, more genuine level. A few weeks ago, we talked about this idea of dying to self. And I believe that same principle is true today when it comes to how we care for other people. In order to truly care about someone else, I have to be willing to die to self. In order to truly care about someone else, I have to remind myself that it's not all about me. It's not always about me being happy. It's not always about me feeling good. It's not always about me being comfortable. When I truly care about the issues of the people around me, guess what? Their issues become my issues. Their pain becomes my pain and we walk through it together, okay? Now, let me add this. This probably isn't the pathway to happiness, right? (laughs) This probably isn't the pathway to a problem-free life. It's actually quite the opposite. We're talking about helping people during their time of trouble. It's about caring and being empathetic and seeking to understand where people are. And that never happens by accident, right? It never happens naturally. It never happens by default. Our default is to avoid people. Our default is to avoid pain. Our default is to avoid problems. Our default is to turn the other way and keep our distance and live life as happy and as problem-free and as comfortably as we can. Empathy is not natural to us. Now, some people are better at it than others, but for the most part, it's not natural for us, okay? So caring about people, it's a choice. And it's a choice that we need to make. We need to open our eyes and our hearts to the very real pain and problems that are happening all around us. Instead of just choosing to live life with my safe understanding of the world, instead of just choosing to live life within my safe understanding of the way things should be, instead of rejecting everything that doesn't make sense and doesn't quite fit into my little bubble, we need to start opening our eyes to people's very real pain and very real problems and seek to understand what they're going through, okay? Last week, we talked about David and Bathsheba. David made a huge mistake, right? He committed adultery with Bathsheba. Bathsheba got pregnant. And then David conspired to have Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed to cover it all up. And all of that happened. And a year went by. 
And the prophet Nathan comes to David and David had not confessed his sin to God. So Nathan pulled him aside, told him a story. And in the story, there's a wealthy man who has a lot of sheep and he invites someone over for dinner. They have company, but rather than killing one of his many sheep to feed his company, he killed his neighbor's only sheep to feed his company. And David hears this story and he's furious. He says, that man needs to die for what he's done. I can't believe someone would do something like that. And remember, Nathan tells David, this is just a story, but the story really, David, is about you, right? This story that I've made up, it's about you. I'm describing what you've done. And that's when David began to feel it. That's when David began to see the reality of this sin that he had not confessed before God. He hurt Bathsheba, he killed Uriah, he devastated the nation. And then he came to a place of repentance and empathy. Empathy is not about writing a check, okay? Empathy is not about a pat on the back. It's about walking with someone through the pain in their life. We need to choose to care about other people. Are you with me this morning? Here's the second choice we need to make. Number two, choose to be the person that God created you to be, okay? In other words, be you. And I know that probably sounds strange and you're probably thinking, well, where does that come from in David's life? Let me show you. It's there. We just may not see it quite as clearly as we should because there's a slight difference in the way we use one of the words that is in this uh, verse to uh, explain David's life. In Psalm 78, the Bible tells us that David shepherded the people of Israel with a pure heart, okay? The word translated there as pure heart is the word integrity. So another way that we would translate this verse might be David shepherded the people of Israel with integrity, Now, when we think of the word integrity, it almost always is used in our culture in terms of ethics, right? So if people do the right thing, then they have integrity. And if they don't do the right thing, then they don't have integrity. That's the way we use the word. But biblically speaking, the word integrity has a lot of meaning that we don't really understand in our modern language, okay? In scripture, the word integrity has to do with oneness, has to do with wholeness. In fact, we get the word integer from it. So it has to do with one whole person, one who is not divided, one who is not half and half, not two different people, but one person. So in other words, David as a leader was not one guy on the throne and a different guy at home. The Bible tells us that he was a man of integrity. He was whole in his heart. He was whole in his soul. He was the same person all the time. In other words, he learned to lead with authenticity. He learned to lead authentically. Now remember, authenticity and transparency are not the same thing. Being authentic is not the same as being transparent. I briefly talked about that last week. Being authentic is not about sharing all of the gory details of your life with everyone, okay? That is transparency. And you need to be transparent with a few people, but you need to be authentic with everyone. Living a life of authenticity, here's what it means. It means you have one story. It means you're one whole person. And when we look at David's life, even after his sin and mistakes, he came to a place of true confession and repentance. And I believe that that was genuine and sincere. 
right? We saw that in the two Psalms that we read last week. We saw that in Psalm 32. We saw that in Psalm 51. It's not that David didn't do unethical things. It's not that he didn't make mistakes. It's not that he didn't sin because he did. But when he came clean before God, he was genuinely coming clean. When he came to God in repentance for his sin, he was genuinely repentant. He was deeply hurting over the sin in his life. He was a man of integrity, right? Even as he confessed his sin before God. So we need to strive. You need to be you. You need to choose. I'm gonna be the person that God created me to be. And we strive to live life with authenticity and integrity. If the final key to success has to do with making other people's lives better, if the final key to success has to do with relationships, then this is where it gets derailed. Because your ability to have strong, godly relationships is directly dependent on your ability to be real and honest and authentic. Your ability to be close to people, your ability to grow in your relationships, it's directly connected to your ability to be real and honest and authentic. So choose to be the person that God created you to be. Choose to be you. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to run someone else's race. You don't have to be someone you're not. Be real, be honest, be authentic, be the best you you can be. So we choose to care about others. We choose to be the best version of ourselves, the version that God created us to be. And here's the third and final choice we need to make. Choose to keep growing, okay? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. There is growth that needs to take place in your life. In other words, this is a lifelong journey. This is a lifelong venture. We must never stop growing. The Bible tells us that David led the people of Israel with a pure heart and with another component, and that was with the skillfulness of his hands, okay? Here's the reality. I don't want you to miss this. When you stop growing, you start dying. That's it. I believe it's true. If you're not growing today, you're dying. We have to choose to keep growing. And when we choose, I'm gonna keep growing, the people around us are gonna benefit from our growth, right? So when you decide, I really wanna grow closer to Jesus, I really wanna grow in my faith, I really wanna become more like him, I would say, that's awesome. That's what we should all desire. But here's the really cool thing that happens when we grow closer to Jesus. Not only do we get a richer, more fuller experience of the goodness of God, but others will be impacted by our growth. If you grow in your relationship with God, the people around you, they're gonna be impacted. They're gonna be affected. And hopefully they're gonna grow too, right? I was listening this week to Rick Warren. I look up to Rick Warren. I love Rick Warren. And he was talking about 40 years of Saddleback Church, arguably one of the most successful ministries ever in the United States of America. And he was talking about all the things that they have tried over the course of 40 years at Saddleback Church. And he talked about things that they tried that failed miserably, right? But he also talked about things they tried that succeeded. And he said, at Saddleback, we loved trying new things because we didn't mind doing experiments. 
Every step of the way, he said, we just wanted to share what we learned with everybody else because we want all the boats in the harbor to be raised together, okay? In other words, he's saying, we don't just want our church to grow. We want all churches to grow. We don't just want our church to be healthy. We want all churches to be healthy. Remember, the mission of the church is not that the church would grow. The mission of the church is that the kingdom would grow. And when you and I grow spiritually, when you and I grow in our faith, when you and I become more like Jesus, when you and I sharpen the spiritual skillfulness of our hands, the world around us is going to benefit from it and all of the boats in the harbor are going to be raised together, okay? In other words, it's not about me. It's not about Canyon Creek. It's not so I can have a better experience with God. It's so that in growing closer to God, I will grow, but the people around me hopefully will grow too. That's a pretty blunt truth that we need to face this morning. When you stop growing, you start dying. Okay. If I just decide today, I'm gonna stop growing as a pastor. I'm good with the level that I've reached. I'm not gonna grow anymore. I'm not gonna challenge myself anymore. I don't have anything left to learn. I don't have any growing left to do. If I decide that, guess what happens to the church? Church starts dying, right? We as a church, when we stop growing, we start dying. If our nation's leaders stop growing in their character and integrity. What happens to the country? They're gonna take it down with them, right? When a parent decides I don't have to grow anymore as a parent, their family begins to fall apart. When a husband or a wife decides I don't need to grow anymore, their marriage, that's the day that it begins to die. Continuing to grow for life is a choice that we have to make if we want to be successful. Continuing to grow for life is a choice that we have to make. If we wanna live a life of significance, we have to decide, I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm not gonna settle for contentment. I'm not gonna get lazy. I'm not gonna get comfortable. I wanna go further. I wanna grow closer to Jesus. And when we do that, the people around us, the people we lead, the people we influence, they're gonna be impacted. They're gonna be affected and hopefully, they're gonna grow too. Okay. Now, with that being said, the growth of the people around you is completely 100% outside of your control, okay? And it's not gonna happen overnight. And it might not happen at all. Sometimes though, it happens the ugly way, right? <laughs> Sometimes it happens through conflict, through friction, through tension, but out of that conflict can come the blessing of growth, the best advice that I can give you is this. Surround yourself with people who want to grow. Surround yourself with people who are gonna help you grow. Spend the most amount of your time with people who are gonna help you grow. So as we wrap up the summer, nine weeks in the story of David, one summary statement of the entire series, one claim, if you zoned out through every one of these nine weeks, if you slept and snored through the sermon, this is it. Here's what it is. One sentence. It's not about you. And the sooner you figure that out, the sooner you figure out that life is not about you, the sooner you figure out 
that reality, the sooner you'll be on a pathway that most people will never discover. It's not about you. It's not about you having more. It's not about you doing more. It's not about you earning more or enjoying more. It's not about your happiness. It's not about your comfort. It's about God. It's about others. It's about his plan, not mine. It's about his purpose, not mine. It's about his way, not mine. In our Western culture, we have made Christianity an individual pursuit. But when you look back on 2000 years of church history, when you look back at the descriptions of the earliest church in the earliest chapters of the New Testament, Christianity was a community pursuit. It was a church. It was a group of people who decided to come together and to grow alongside one another. Only in our modern culture today have we made it about me and my growth and my faith and my walk with God. Instead, it's about our growth. It's about our faith. It's about our walk with God. And maybe you walked in here today and you're at a place in your life today where you feel like things are pretty good for you. And you feel like you don't have many needs at the moment. You feel like you're not suffering at the moment. And that's awesome. That's fantastic. But the reality is there are people all around you who are hurting and they need you to care. There are people all around you who are walking through difficult seasons of life and they need your support. When we get involved in each other's lives, we can really begin to discover the purpose of the church together. And the most important relationship of all is a relationship that a person has with God. And the fact is this, all of humanity has fallen away from the glory of God. We've all broken away from him. We've all fallen short of his standard. We're separated from him because of our sin, right? So because of that, God sent his son Jesus to the world And he went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. He died to pay the penalty and his death and resurrection brought us back into a relationship with God again. And now we have been commissioned as the church to go and share it with other people. We've been commissioned to go and tell people the truth about their sin. We've been commissioned to go and tell people the truth about the cross. We've been commissioned to go and share the good news about Jesus. And let me just tell you, it's not going to happen because we printed literature. It's not gonna happen because we wrote a good song. It's not gonna happen because we stood on the corner of Marlinwood and 31st with a sign. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen because we have a Facebook page and an online presence. It's going to happen because someone on the outside had a friend on the inside who helped them come to know Jesus. That's it. A successful life, a life of significance. It's about making life better for other people. All right, let's pray together today. Father, we come to you at the end of this series and we thank you so much for the life, for the story of David. We thank you that through his struggles, through his triumphs, we've learned 
some keys to a successful life, the keys to living a significant life. It lies in recognizing, Father, that it's not about us. So help us to internalize that lesson. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us, Father, to humbly embrace the example that David set. May we be inspired to reach out to others with compassion, making the lives of the people around us better and growing together in unity and in love. We pray, God, that you would guide us to let go of our selfishness and our self-centered pursuits and instead focus on building meaningful relationships, serving and loving others in their time of need. May we seek, Father, opportunities to selflessly give of ourselves to help others in their journey. We commit, Father, to live a continued lifelong journey of growth. Father, convict us if we've stopped growing. We don't ever wanna stop growing. Help us, Father, to grow closer to you. Help us to grow more like you and help us, Father, to prioritize that growth in our lives. As we seek to live lives of success, as we seek to live lives of influence, lives of significance, Father, we pray that you alone would receive all the honor and all the glory. Use our lives, God, to expand your kingdom and to share your love with the world around us. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you're at a place in your life today where the step that you need to make, the choice that you need to make is giving your life to Jesus. Let me tell you, you can find everything you're looking for, everything your heart is longing for. You can find forgiveness and salvation in a relationship with Jesus Christ because God sent him to this world and he lived a perfect life here on earth, but he was brutally murdered on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he walked out of that tomb, raising from the dead so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. So if that's you today and you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I wanna encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me, church. Let's make this our prayer together today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.